0: Good morning, this is a lot of people compared to what I'm used to. I tell you what, you take about this section right here and that's about how many people I talk to. We have a, we have a church of about 60. We planted in October of uh, this last year. We had about a month of, of soft launch so we did a lot of interest meetings for the community. Uh, we were hanging up flyers, we were sending out mailers. Do you guys know what mailers are? I don't know if you guys get mailers around here. We, I have not seen so many mailers go out until we started sending them out, and then it was like every church in the world was sending out mailers the same time we were. And uh, we started off, and, and it's just been such a blessing uh, to to be in this church plant. Uh, I'm going to introduce myself. We actually have a picture of my family here. If you could show that picture. Uh, I'm Brad. I'm the fa- uh I am the senior pastor at Mountain View Christian Church, like uh, my good friend Alan uh, introduced me as. That is my wife, Melissa. Uh, She is an amazing woman. Uh, She did not want to marry a pastor. I did not want to be a pastor, and yet here we are. She's married to a pastor, and then we started a church together. Uh, We actually met in college together. She lived on the opposite side. Of Flathead Lake, and if you know what Flathead Lake is, Flathead Lake is the largest freshwater non-manmade lake west of the Mississippi. So it's like 58 miles long. That's our claim to fame in Montana. Okay, we have the largest freshwater lake in the in west of the Mississippi. That's that's what we've got. That's about all we've got. Okay. Uh, we come from a church. I mean, we come from a town of about 35,000 people. There's not a whole lot of people. Um, but it's it's just an intimate town and there's lots of, if you love outdoors, if you love trees, I've yet to see one here. <laughs> if you love trees, you should come to Montana and we'll show you trees and mountains, okay? Um, there's not a whole lot of flat. The valley that we live in is is covered by mountains on all sides. We're just in this beautiful valley. It's a beautiful place. I grew up there. Uh, Melissa grew up, obviously, on the other side of the lake from us. We met in college. Uh, we met at a rec center. Uh, I was working there. I was cleaning the bowling alley. Uh, if you ever need somebody to clean your bowling alley, I know how to do it. Uh, and I'm also a pretty good pool player, because there was like 20 pool tables there. So. Um, if you ever want to go shoot pool with me, let's go do it. Um, but she she came in, and I remember her walking in the door, and I I tell her this, and she still doesn't believe me. But when I saw her, I thought I'm gonna marry that girl one day, and I chased her. I Facebook stalked her. It's the only time I've ever had Facebook. Facebook stalked her until she started dating me, and then I got rid of Facebook. Uh, I can get into all that social media stuff later and in a different time. Um, but then we have four beautiful kids. Uh, Lily is in the middle. She is our oldest. She is seven years old. Uh, she spent some time at Seattle Children's Hospital when she was one. And then she had to have brain surgery uh, when she was five or six. She's just right there. Yes, right there. She's smiling at me. Uh, she gets to be used in my sermons. Um, Uh, she had to have the spinal cord inside um, where it went into her brain that there's a little hole there, and that hole was too small. So they had to go and they had to move her brain, and then they had to widen that hole open for her spinal cord. That was what happened when she was uh, six. When she was about a year old, we went over to Seattle Children's Hospital uh, for about, I can't remember, 10 or 12 days. Um, we got over there, and they didn't know what was wrong with her. Uh, we were told at one point in time that she may not make it through the night. Uh, and so we've had a journey with our first one. Our second one is Madison. She is six. Um, she is a free spirit. Uh, you want to see somebody smile at you and melt your heart? You just look at Madison. Um, Madison is just a wonderful, wonderful little girl. Uh, she just loves animals. She loves She has probably the softest heart I've ever seen in a child, uh, which means a lot because me and my wife on the mercy scale of things are about zero. So she makes up for a lot of that. Then we have James. Uh, James, I named after my favorite book in the Bible, and he sure lives up to that characteristic as well. He is all fire. Um, he loves to wrestle. He loves to be outside. If there's anything that he can point and act like it's a gun, he's going to act like it or swing at you like a sword. He will do it. He's the typical boy. He's all boy, and uh, he sure loves wearing suspenders. That was probably his happiest day in that. And then we have Sadie there. Sadie is uh, two. James just turned five, by the way. So we have seven, six, five, and then we have a two-year-old. She'll turn three shortly. uh, She'll turn three just before Lily will turn uh, eight. So we'll have a seven, six, five, and three-year-old in our house. I can't wait until the teenage years happen. Uh, That's what everybody tells me. But she is is the beater of our family. If she doesn't like you, she's going to let you know with her fists. Um, she is She is just that type of girl. She just likes to be hands-on, this physical presence. Uh, and if she wants you to know something, she will stare at you and she will tell you and you won't understand it. But she is pointing her finger at you and she knows what she's saying. And so that just gives you a little bit about my family there. That is actually at our house. That was our uh, that was a picture of our back lawn, so we we're, we're grow up in trees and stuff like that and uh, do quite a bit of hunting. Church planting has taken uh, that hunting aspect a little bit away, and I'll get into that today. Today, I wanna to talk to you about leaving a lasting legacy. You know, as we were preparing for this, uh, coming down here, and I was just thinking about how uh, this little church plant in Kalispell, Montana, has been impacted by a church in Texas. That's opposite sides of the United States of the world. The United States, opposite sides of the United States, and yet here this church is, and it's making such an impact on this little tiny church plant. And I just did my first funeral for a gal in our congregation. She was, uh, she was in my life very early on, and and. When we started, she came along, and, and when we did her funeral, we had to do it at the largest church in Kalispell. There's over a thousand people at this funeral. This lady left a lasting legacy. And I began to wonder how can we leave a lasting legacy? And as I, as I thought about, you know, Golf Course Road Christian, or, or, or Church of Christ, partnering with, with Mountain View Christian Church. I thought, man, there's a lasting legacy that's taking place. There's a lasting legacy that's beginning to take place, and if you guys don't know, Golf Course Roads uh, Church of Christ has been involved in 69 church plants. Every church plant that I've that has come out of the company that I've planted, which is Nexus, I don't know if you guys, some of you may know that name or not. Every single one of those church plants, you guys have helped and I was the 69th one. There's five more going on this year, and I'm guessing you'll probably help all five of them as well. That's leaving a lasting legacy. But I want to dive into it more than just a church. I want to get into it with just ourselves. What about ourselves? How can we ourselves leave a lasting legacy? And there's three things that I just want to tell you today. I believe these three things are very simple. Everybody knows them. If you've been in church for any period of time, you've heard a pastor preach on this. I will guarantee you that. These are probably the first things you learn in your school. If you're in children's school, you'll learn these three things in children's school. But yet, if we could just apply these three things, I believe we could truly leave a lasting legacy not only as a church, but as an individual. Because it's one thing to leave a lasting legacy as a church. This church is leaving a lasting legacy, and you're infecting not only, you're affecting people in Kalispell, Montana. Kalispell, Montana. Google how far that is away from Midland. I was gonna do that beforehand, but then my kids were fighting over phones, and I turned my phone off, and I said, you know what, you just can't have it. But Google that. I bet you it's over 1,200 miles. And you guys are making an impact. But my question is, is how are you making an impact in other people's lives? How is you as an individual going to do so? And so I'm gonna tell you just three things. Three things, very simple, very simple things that we can do. And I believe that if we can do just these three things, then we can leave a lasting legacy. One that's not only going to impact our children and our grandchildren, but our great-grandchildren. Jesus talks about 30, 60, 100 times what is sown. And I want to say, this can happen in your life. Whether you want it to or not, it's probably going to happen. Whether you want it or not, it's either going to happen in a good way or it's going to happen in a bad way. But I believe that if we can just do these three things, we can do it in a good way. The first thing I think we should do is that we need to know, is that we need to know how to love God. We just need to know how to love God. Okay? And that comes out of Jesus, is, I love when Jesus speaks. Whenever Jesus speaks, I listen because this is Jesus. This is a son of God speaking. And he's just come off and he shut down the Sadducees. He shut them down. The Sanhedrin, he shut them down. He said, no. And now the Pharisees come to him and they ask him, what are the greatest commandments? And he says in verse 37, and he said to them, you shall love your, love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is great. And first, this is the greatest and first commandment. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. Isn't that interesting that Jesus tells us first to do what? Love God. He tells us to love God, but he he, he puts a condition on it with all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. Not just a portion of it. With every ounce and being you have. Put it in there. You know, it's one thing to have faith in God. The Bible tells us that you only have to have faith of a mustard seed. That's all you have to have is faith of a mustard seed. And I would contend that faith is fairly easy for people to understand because regardless if you believe in Jesus or not, you put your faith in something You have to put your faith in something. If you don't believe in Jesus, you put your faith in something else. It may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be pornography, it may be something, but you're putting your faith in something. You may put it in your wife, you may put it in your husband, you may put it in your children, you may put it in what your kids are doing at school, but you put your faith into something. I think where Christians struggle is where we put our trust. Two different words. Two different words. How much do you trust God? How much do you trust God to move in your life? How much do you trust God to follow the plan, uh, to allow God to use you in such a way that your life would be so impactful that you would leave a lasting legacy that when you died, people would come from miles around to say, That was a person that believed in God, that was a person that loved God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. Trust is a big thing. You know, I I use this illustration. Take Take this screen. That's a big screen. That's how much trust you should have in God. But the problem is, is that we take it and we start to shrink it And we put God inside a box, and pretty soon that box is this big. Now, I used this illustration last week in a different sense, and some gentleman, I have a teenager that just loves to poke fun at me at our church. He came up to me and he said, your faith box looks about the size of your bald head, so I'm going to show it to you here, okay? (laughs) That's what church planning does to you. About six months ago, I was not bald now I'm going bald. There's some stress that goes into it, but it's all good. But what happens is we shrink our trust down and we say, God, I'll put my faith in you, but I will put my trust in myself to get it done. I'll put my trust in myself. I'll put my trust in somebody else. I'll put my trust in my money. I'll put my trust in my friends. I'll put my trust in my job. I'll put my trust in myself that I can build myself. I can build myself a kingdom. I can do all those things. But God says, No. Jesus tells us very clearly with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, we need to start trusting God. We need to start trusting what God can do. I'm a landscaper. I went to school for landscape design and horticulture. It's what I knew what I wanted to do since I was 14 years old. 14 years old, thought I was going to just rock the world being a landscaper. I was so stinking excited, went to school, got a job back at, in, in Kalispell, so excited, started off. I was headed down the road. I was thinking about starting our own business, and here comes God, and he says, I have another plan, and I was offered to be a church planner. Before that, I was offered to be a family pastor, which family pastor in in the church that I came from meant taking care of the little children. I said, no, (laughs) not doing that at all. But when Church Planner came up, for some reason, it just affected my heart. And so Melissa and I prayed for it about a year, but God said, you need to put all your trust in me if you're going to do this. All of it. And it's amazing what God can do when you put all your trust and you take a step. When you take a step and you put your trust in God, God will work. The second thing I think we need to do is we need to love people. Jesus goes on to say in verse 39, and this is in Matthew chapter 22, by the way. And a second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We need to start loving people. We need to start loving people for who they are. Because they're all adopted. Did you realize that anybody, I always use this illustration. Does anybody in here know who Lady Gaga is? She's always my go-to in this one. Whenever I talk about people that I don't believe could ever come to know Jesus, I always go back to her for some reason but Jesus wants us to share the message with her. If I were to ever run into Lady Gaga, you know what Jesus would want me to tell her? God loves you. He may not condone what you're doing right now, but God loves you. And that's what we need to be able to do with our neighbors and our friends and our families. We need to go out and we need to say, God loves you. And we need to show them what God's love truly is. And what depresses me the most is that we as Christians walk out of this church on Sunday. And I've done it before. But we'll get out of this church on Sunday. And we'll walk out those doors. And our face will will go from a smile to a frown. And we will put our heads down. And we will run into somebody who needs to know about Jesus. And we will keep our heads down. And we'll look the other way. We look the other way. We do. We don't focus on what Jesus has called us to do. He's called us to love our neighbors. Simple command. So hard to fulfill. So hard to do. But He's called us. He's called us to love our neighbors, meet their needs. You know, that was a cool story that you guys filled your church with Cuban refugees. That's amazing. From somebody from the outside looking in, that all I hear is from, again, Kalispell, Montana, our only border is with Canada, okay? And Canadians come down just so they can buy food for cheaper. That's all they do. Right? You guys actually have a border, and you hear about all this stuff going on at the border, and here you guys are as a church saying, No, 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 we're going to invite them in to our church. We're going to let them come in. That's an amazing story. Don't underestimate that. From a little guy in Cowsville, that just baffles me because everything I hear on the news is like, go back. And here you guys are saying, come in, we'll take care of you. That's loving your neighbor. That's loving your neighbor. That's meeting a need. We need to be able to meet a need. So when you see a need, meet a need. Let your mess become your message. Love your neighbor. Love your friend. Love your enemy. Love, love, love. Love is the greatest, isn't it? You've got to love God. Then you have to love people. But I believe he doesn't stop there. Jesus ends up, and I love what Jesus does, and this is in Matthew chapter 28. This is his very last words before he ascends into heaven. He says, Go, therefore. And make disciples of all nations. Doing what? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with who? You. He doesn't say, and listen to the next word. You see the next word? It's not tomorrow. Just tomorrow. It's not just yesterday. It's not just today. It's always he's always with us to the end of the age, to the end of the age. You see, we need to learn how to reach and teach the lost. We need to learn how to reach and teach the lost. It's not just about reaching out and and, and baptizing people and, and getting a conversion. That's part of it. That's part of it, but we need to teach them. Jesus laid it out very clearly that teach they, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded who? You. We need to be able to reach out into this community. You guys need to reach out into, into uh, Midland, Texas. We need to reach out into Kalispell, Montana and reach out into these people that do not believe. I want to give you a st- statistic that's a hard word for me to say for some reason. In Kalispell, our, our general church population, they, they say about 35% of people go to church on every given Sunday. 35%. We live in an area in Creston where we planted. There's about 15 to 20,000. I would venture to say there's probably less than that. They're, they're going into other towns at that point. Um, But if you were to only take 35% of those people, only 35% of those 20,000, and I'm not a mathematician, so I'm not going to read you the thing. I should have wrote it down. I had it figured out. And again, I shut off my phone because my kids were fighting over it. But it's like something like 15,000 people still don't know who Jesus is, still don't attend church on a weekly basis. How big is Midland, Texas? How big is the area that you guys live in? How many people show up on Sunday to a given church? There's people out there that need to be reached. And first we must reach them and we must baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we can't stop there. We have to make disciples. We have to carry through the gospel message. We have to teach them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded us to learn. And when we do that, we begin to build a community of believers that can impact the world. I love Jesus' story. I love the story of of who Jesus Jesus chooses because he chose 12 uneducated Galileans. Fishermen a zealot, a tax collector. He chooses these random, what we think are random people, but he's choosing ordinary people and he's impacting their life so much that when he leaves after three to three and a half years, what do they do in 30 years? They reach the whole known Roman empire. That's because they loved God. They loved people. And they reached and taught the lost. And it didn't matter if they were Jew, Sumerian, or Gentile. Once Peter showed up to all three of those, the floodgates were open. And so too far often, we look at somebody's life that they're living in right now, and we don't focus on where we've come from. Here I am. I'm a I'm a pastor's kid. My dad was a pastor for a while. He left the church because of some issues that the church was having with him inviting some people in. I'll just tell you a quick story. Uh he got so, uh, there was a bar right right down the street from from where they were uh, from where the church was. He actually got the owners of the bar to come in. And that was the first time I ever smelled stale beer and burnt cigarette smoke. This lady had this fur coat, and it was just so big, and it smelled so bad. But I gave, She came up and she gave me the biggest hug. I will never forget that smell. Those are the people we're supposed to be reaching, right? Those are the people we're supposed to be going out and talking to. Those are the people we're supposed to be walking, not walking hand in hand with, but walking alongside trying to get them to know who Jesus truly is. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. And so I grew up in a pastor's home, but I fell away. I got involved in drugs and alcohol. I actually sold marijuana before marijuana was legal. Now I look at it and I go, gee whiz, I never, I would never even got chased by the cops. I would've never gotten followed home. I could've just sold it legally. Now, just blows my mind. This absolutely blows my mind. In Kalispell, Montana, Montana, it's now legal to smoke marijuana, the same thing that I was chased for as an 18, 17, and 18-year-old kid. And yet here I am, and God used me. I ran into somebody just the other day at a wrestling tournament. They had to double check with their husband who went to school with me to make sure I was the one that started the church before they started the conversation because they said, Brad, I heard you started a church. I said, yeah. She's like, wow, I would have never guessed. (laughs) It's amazing what God can do. The last question I want to leave you with is who am I that I can leave a lasting legacy? You see, it's far too often we think that we're just, we're, we're too small. We're not big enough. We're not, we're not, why would God use me? Why would God use me? And I think the, the answer comes out of Isaiah 6, chapter 6, verse 8. I really believe this, that God doesn't really need to use any of us, right? God is all-encompassing. God can do whatever he wants, but he's going to choose those who choose him. And I think Isaiah puts it best. He says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. And as the worship team comes forward and I begin to close, I just want you guys to understand something. It's not about what you know. It's not about who you are. It's not about how much finances you have. It's not about how much um, knowledge you have, biblical knowledge you have. Like I said, I went to school to be a landscape designer and horticulture major. That's my degree. Now, have I studied the Bible? Yes, yes. Have I begun to, to, to really pour myself into it? Yes. Have I begun to uh, uh, do some certain things that really have made um, um, good, good returns on my investment? Absolutely. In studying the Bible? Absolutely. But God doesn't need the most knowledgeable. God doesn't need the strongest. God doesn't need the wealthiest. God doesn't need the poorest. God doesn't need any of that. What God needs you to do is take a step. That's all you have to do. And put full trust in him. Put full trust in God. Because when you do, God will rock your world. He will change your life forever. And it's an amazing adventure. But it's a scary one. But I have a question for you today before I leave. Are you ready to say, here I am, Lord. Use me. Because if you are. God's coming knocking, and be ready for that great adventure. And I'll turn it over to you guys. Actually, let me pray. Let me pray before, boy. I should. Let's pray. go ahead and stand. Yes. We pray. There you go. go ahead take it away. Father, we just thank you so much for today. I thank you for GCR. I thank you for their willingness to partner with a small church plant in in Kalispell, Montana, Father. And then to invite us down here to give us the opportunity to speak and just share. Father, what an amazing experience. What an amazing experience. And Father, I pray that as we go about this time, that we could just learn to love you for who you truly are. And then learn to love people for who they truly are. Father, because every person has come from you. Scripture tells us. Scripture tells us. But Father, we just know that we need to love them. And then we need to reach and teach them about you. But Father, we also need to know that we need to make a step. Father, you can use any one of us. But Father, we have to make a commitment to you as well. And so Father, I pray that on this day that there would be somebody in this room, Father, that would make a commitment to take a step of faith and put their full trust in you. And Father, we just thank you so much for who you are and what you do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.